You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Born in Uganda, our guest on this episode was born to two self-employed business owners, a pastor and an attorney. As a child, our guest today spent his summer days with his parents at their jobs, and he picked up the fundamentals of business ownership. He then emigrated to Ontario, Canada in search of more opportunity. At the age of five, he had his first taste of entrepreneurship with his very own paper route. After losing his mother to cancer, our guest today and his family relocated to Boston, Massachusetts, where he began making his music. Surrounded by drug and gun violence in his new neighborhood, our guest decided to stay inside and make music instead of being a part of what was his environment. In 2014, he made his most life-changing investment. He moved back home to his father's house, worked 70 hours a week for a year, and was able to save $20,000. He then took that money, invested it into an e-commerce business, which we'll hear about on this episode. That that business then went on to earn him over $700,000 over the course of the next four years. The capital he earned from that endeavor enabled Moyenza to make his second biggest investment yet, establishing a digital marketing company, Beth Creative Group. Here for your listening pleasure are the self-made strategies of Moyenza Kasiri. Hey, Moyenza, how are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. But awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about that experience of, you know, growing up. So you were born in Uganda. Obviously, you came over just before you turned five, roughly, and then started your own paper route. But that's still a harrowing experience for anyone who's emigrating to a new country, having to learn a new language, even at that age. But you decided to start a paper route. Tell us about that experience. Yeah. So, um, in getting to in getting to Canada, my we didn't have a lot of money, um, so it was upon you to get anything that you wanted on more than you know. We got one pair of you got one pair of sneakers, you got one pair of church shoes, and then you got like two pairs of pants and a couple of shirts a year. That's all you got. If you wanted anything more than that, you had to go get it. And so, me putting that together, I looked around, saw what I could do. And, you know, even though I was a kid, I was like, oh, well, I could deliver papers. That's a, you know, a nice little gig. It was, I think it paid like, <laughs> like 14 or $15 a week or something like that. You know what? That's, <laughs> that's, no- that's pretty big money for a five-year-old kid though. Even if you're trying to buy sneakers or whatever yeah. at the end of the summer, that's not too bad. No, it was perfect. Cause it was like, it was enough to get my, you know, little candy when I wanted and me to, uh, what else? I mean, movie tickets and like stuff like that. Um, so that's that's what started it off. It was kind of uh, it's always been a necessity um, just because we didn't have much. So if you wanted more, you had to go and get it. So I would go and get it. Pretty awesome. So. All right. So yeah. fast forward, obviously, to 2014, you had lost your mother. You had made another transition, emigrating again to a new country, to Boston, Massachusetts, living in a rough neighborhood. But you decide, you know, you're going to stay inside, you're going to make music, and then you have an opportunity to go work 70 hours a week um, for, for the entirety of a year to save up some cash to, to invest in yourself. So tell us about that e-commerce business. Bring us up to speed on how you came up with the idea and what that business was all about. Gotcha. So the, um, 
essentially how that happened was uh, I, I've always been a fan of the internet um, because I like information. Huge fan of that. So I, in, in interacting with the internet, I also am very good at sales. And so in when social media began to sprout, like Twitter and Instagram and things like that, I immediately understood the power of it because it's immediately, I could go on Twitter and I could talk to hundreds of millions of people for free, which is crazy. Not only that, I can also see what hundreds of millions of people are talking about, looking for, buying, what music they're listening to, you know, like all of these things that you can derive from social media. So, and me putting those two things together, Um, so I am, I am an artist. Uh, and so what I did was the way that you sell art is, has a lot to do with presentation. And so I took the same standards of presentation necessary to sell music and just applied it to e-commerce products. Um, cause at the time, a lot of their websites were terrible. A lot of their branding was awful. <laughs> a lot of their marketing uh, was terrible. So what I would do is I would help them do that. I basically revamped their presentation and then I would take a percentage of sales essentially. So that's what the whole business was. Um, I would just find sellers and help them do that. So if it was a financial, like one of the things that I did was a financial software, I helped them run a social media campaign because they didn't know how to do it. <laughs> they had no idea. They had a good product, but they didn't know how to reach the people that uh, could use it, that needed it. Um, but I, because of what I know about these tools, I was able to do the research, put that product in front of those people and garner for them a tremendous amount of sales, which is how I was able to get to the figure that I got for myself personally. Um, so that that's essentially what it was. It was taking those social media tools when they were really, really fresh and new and um, being one of the first entry into offering it as a service um, to as an actual advertising service um, for companies that wanted to take it seriously. And here we are seven years later and turns out I was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the predecessor to this new business now in marketing and advertising and media creation overall a part media, right? Which is a part of Beth Creative Group. That's correct? That's correct. Yes. So tell us about now how that's evolved into a part media, which is APRT, by the way, for those of those of you listening who want to go mm-hmm. check out uh, a part media. Uh, so I have um, essentially the, the marketing part is what enabled me to um, acquire quite a lot of capital. Um, so what I did with that capital was uh, I invested into equipment, I invested into information, and I invested into a team. Um, so the gap that I saw in doing marketing was that there's a separation between the individuals that market and the individuals that create the materials that are being marketed, which just like anything, the more channels something has to get through, kind of like telephone, it, it just loses a little something at each step. Um, and so what I wanted to do was to combine the two so that the media and marketing are created under one umbrella and thusly um, 
flow together. It's not, you don't have to go to two different places. Generally speaking, a marketing company will um, outsource to a production company to create the content. We are just everything in one place. Um, but the way that Apart Media came to be was because I was able to get that capital, invest into the equipment, and then now make this other leap of adding that um, as a service offering and thing that we do. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about some of the best practices that you're an, you're, you're an, let's talk a little bit about the best practices in the marketing, marketing and advertising in the digital space in a new America. Um, and a little bit after that, we'll certainly talk about the issues and struggles that black entrepreneurs are facing as both, um, you know, just innovators in, in various spaces and as business owners in today's world. We'll talk a little bit about how uh, people can create better alliances to help their black colleagues out. So really excited to get into that. Obviously, a, a very top, very hot topic these days. But let's start with your best practices for marketing and advertising in the digital space in general. What are, say, the top three tips that you typically give to a client to improve their presence? Uh, probably the first one is uh, consistency. Um, there needs to be, and I generally like to, okay, so the first two are actually going to be kind of combined, consistency and story. So the way that people's minds work now is advertising doesn't work how it used to. People are way smarter than they used to be. Um, and way more keyed into the language even of marketing and advertising. Like the, the phrase on brand is a, a known thing now. Five, six years ago, that's something that was only known amongst individuals that did advertising and marketing. Um, so thus, the story is very, very important and uh, being consistent in your telling of that story. So don't think of your product is just a product there. What's the story around the product? What can you create to uh, engage that is more than just here? Here's my thing. <laughs> give, give me something more. Um, so that's, I would say that's number one. Um, number two, uh, dream big to start small. It's not going to happen overnight. This is one of those things that takes time. Um, and again, you have to be consistently pouring into um, it, it works compounding in a, in a compound way over time. You'll, you know, if you're running a YouTube channel, if you're running an Instagram, it, you know, sometimes people get lucky. They have a huge bump. They get a million, you know, something goes viral, but for the most part, it's a slow build. So be patient, give it time, give yourself time and let it build, uh, let it build naturally. Um, and then number three, <clears throat> Focus on the quality of two things. What you're delivering to the people, make sure that it is of value, one. And two, really focus on the quality of the people engaging with your content. It's not, um, with social media, there's this idea because it's the internet and you can talk to everybody that you should just be blasting off everything to everybody. <laughs> it's not the case. Find quality individuals that find value in what you offer and engage with them. Keep track of them. Because if you think about it, if you have, um, if you have a million followers, 
and I have dealt with many clients that have a million followers, they can't sell a t-shirt a month. It's because they have, they didn't, they didn't get quality followers, but I have people that, you know, have 5,000 followers and they can, they can do only what they do. Like they don't have to have multiple jobs. They can make a living off of what they do because they have quality followers that engage that uh, actually will purchase from them when they release items or music or merch or whatever it may be. Um, so I would say th those three things focus as heavily as you can. It will be a much better and easier path for you. Yeah, that's great advice. Now, from a content creation aspect, can you give us sort of a practical um, example of the best way? Let's just take any example that you want and do sort of a, a quick case study, if you will, hypothetically, of how you would create content for that business, how you would optimize it, and how you would shape the marketing in today's digital space. Okay. Um, so I'll use, I'll actually use one of my current clients. So one of my current clients is a, uh, so he is a touring pianist and musical director <clears throat> uh, for major artists. Corona has just destroyed touring this year. Sure. He can't so, perform live. So, you know, can't perform in exactly. front of a large audience. Exactly. So it's absolutely destroyed. So what he does is in, in, in music, there are a lot of players, but it's generally the focus is on the main artist. Everyone else kind of falls by the wayside. So a lot of the people outside of the artist don't have great branding, don't really have a product per se, but they know all of these people and they're incredibly talented. And so for, uh, for him as a way to, uh, as a way to one generate income, that's the first thing that I worry about is we need to get you making money <laughs> because you need to pay me. <laughs> so let's get you making money so that you can pay me. We'll be good. We'll build up from there. So first thing is, um, rebranding him and actually presenting him almost as though he's an artist. Uh, his, basically his function is all behind the scenes. Only people he needs to know and really that need to see him are behind the scenes. Now we need to make money for him off of him being the face. So rebranding and coming up with what realistically works for public um, perception and also perception within his business and what he does. So finding that, putting that together, <clears throat> took a couple months, but we did. And then also creating a product for him, which we found that a lot of individuals really like watching and learning from him. So we created a course, created the media, and uh, essentially just ran that with YouTube and are running it. Ran a YouTube uh, of a kind of more fun, jocular version of the masterclass as promotion to then bring people to the paid more intermediate uh, advanced level stuff that he actually sells, right? So it's that, um, again, just using social media, we fish people in with the fun stuff and then ingratiate, uh, ingratiate him to them through him sharing that valuable information of, hey, 
this is how you play this song. Or when you're on tour and your artist is doing this, these are some tips that you can, you know, keep in mind when you're playing along to ensure, you know, all types of things like that. So that has been a way, um, that has been a way and that is a way to take a person, a brand, a thing, um, and turn it into something that makes money and then grow up from there. So that has been a good income source for him. Obviously, I hasn't made up for completely for the touring yet because uh, it's a pretty big blow, but um, it's got him stabilized. So now we're planning outside things. Like we've run a few uh, open air events due to the fact that he's a musical director. He can call artists, he can get staging, he can get lighting, he can put everything together. So now that is now another another business that we're starting for him is that open air live experience that is now going to be kind of the precedent for possibly the next year or so. So if we're hearing you correctly, it's really a matter of sharing sort of that secret sauce that you have with your audience, then finding a way to monetize the bulk of that secret sauce, right? The 90%, 95% of the knowledge in your head, like in his case about musical direction and tips and tricks and best practices for onstage performances, sharing some of that information with your audience through YouTube, through social media, et cetera, and then bridging that gap and delivering on that promise of here's a, a taste of the value I can add in your life. And then for this more amplified version, you pay a certain fee to be a part of that quote unquote masterclass or online class of some format. I also like that Part of that example that you gave is the example of someone who was hit hard by COVID-19 from a professional perspective, you know, can't produce live events and music and performances and finds a way to pivot into this new line of business that's actually blossoming into multiple lines of business and kind of leading their career on a new path. That's pretty awesome. All right. So now let's talk about black entrepreneurs in America, obviously a hot topic in today's world with all of the tension in our society as a nation. So what are some of the problems and the struggles that black entrepreneurs are facing today as business owners, as innovators, and maybe what are some of the solutions or suggestions that you have of how we as a community and as a nation can come together to better collaborate on, on those solutions? Got you. Um, so the, the main things that we face are uh, capital. It's probably the biggest one. Um, we don't have money. <laughs> the vast majority of us just don't have any money. When we do have access to funds um, through loans and different programs, um, a lot of us aren't privy to that information. Uh, so <clears throat> that, is probably, that is the biggest issue because you, it, it's very, very difficult to build anything without anything. Um, so I would say that's number one. Number two, um, generally is just information in general. Um, we don't have, there are large parts of, for instance, financial information is something that in our community is not extremely prevalent. Um, a lot of us are either like, for, for instance, I'm by a pretty large margin, I've made the most amount of money in my family ever, history, historically ever, right? I am, uh, my siblings and I are some of the first to go to college. Uh, 
like a lot of the things that we're doing, we're the first to do. Um, and so we're the first ones that are having that information to pass down. Right. So <clears throat> that is another big, big thing is that we need information. And three is opportunity. So opportunity is the way to help the second, to help the second and eventually the first as well, because if we are given opportunity with the opportunities that I have created, I was, I have applied for hundreds of jobs. I've done, you know, and I've all of these things. I've only, I've only ever been hired twice, despite the fact that I deliver quality work and do produce, right? I had to create my own opportunity. So I created the opportunity of, uh, of the first business and made that whole thing happen, found all the information, did all the research, put all the people together, put the whole, you know, did all the, uh, all the main framework and all that stuff that I had to do to make it work. And then I was able to do the thing. But now having done that, I can pass that on to my kids, my nieces, my nephews, all of that, right? So giving the opportunities will also make everything better because I can then pass on something that's going to, uh, that's going to bring about economic growth. <laughs> if, if I don't have information, I can't grow. I can't contribute to the economy. But if I do, then I can. And I'm willing. I want to. That's why I worked so hard to create the opportunity because I want to be a player in this economy, in this life. And so I worked to create the opportunity. So if we're given the opportunity, we can do something with it. We just have to be given a larger amount of it. Um, so I'd say those three for sure are the, uh, I would say the top three things that plague us. Um, and as, as far as alleviating those things, um, a lot of it is, for instance, with the capital is there needs to be a way that white people are reaching and finding our leaders. Because for instance, I am a leader in my community. If there's, by investing in me, you're not only investing in me, you're investing in all of the people in the community that I'm also bringing with me. Because it's not just me, it's a team of individuals that had to do all of the same things and create all of their own opportunity all the same. So I created my opportunity and I'm passing that opportunity on. And I know what I'm doing. I now, because of the 17 years of experience in doing this, I, I know how to, <clears throat> excuse me, I know how to do this and I can pass it on and create more opportunity, grow and actually help the community. And then by helping my community, I then help the larger economy. You know what I mean? Which makes it better for everybody. So um, those are some of the things that can be done. Um, to, to help us balance out the incredible imbalance that has been created purposely 
um, that was created purposely, um, but that now needs to be rebalanced. That's what we see on TV is the rebalancing. It sounds like a, a good solution to some of this might be through better mentorship programs, through better alliances, uh, through real and actionable diversity and inclusion programs, not just diversity and inclusion programs that are there so that we can pat ourselves on the back and say that we're doing these things, right? So in your opinion, what are some of the programs and policies that could be implemented at companies across the United States to make working and success for Black people more attainable? Um, The whole system needs to be rebalanced. Um, the way it is now is, for instance, it's hard even for me now uh, as a professional, I'm very often the only black person in rooms. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what it is. And so when it comes to having certain conversations, I can feel that it's not a balanced room. There, there's a view of my ideas and my ideas are other ideas. And then there's their ideas. And then, you know what I mean? It's, it's not. It's not balanced. And so if you want, if you want balance, if you want people to feel empowered, want people to feel as though they can say what's on their mind, to feel supported, um, you need to be able to see yourself. (laughs) You need mirrors. You need mirrors. And so you have to, um, essentially the whole is to be rebalanced as far as um, giving opportunities to some of us and putting us in real positions of power. I'm often put in positions where I'm just under somebody. I'm never given the actual position to control what's happening. I'm always under the thumb of, of someone and not given real power. And, the, and the, the thing is with that, even with that, um, and I have worked my way to the top of a couple of industries. And at the top of those industries, it is all white people um, at, at the top. and so. That doesn't, that is in line with everything else underneath it. Right. So you need to break that up. You, you like, you, you need to start putting us in those positions. Right. And one, so that the information of those positions can be in our community as well. Um, we need to be put in some of those positions and given the chance so we can get the information. Um, also, so we can share our ideas. Because there's also an efficiency issue there, whereby not having us ever be in those positions, there's uh, a loss that happens to the economy because ideas are not ever in those spaces from us. Um, and so there's innovation that's being lost there. So, Great point. yeah, so it, it's, it's a really, really deep issue, but rebalancing is, is a way that we can believably get there. Yeah. And doing so, as you said, by having people um, given the opportunity to see mirrors in those spaces and have allies at higher levels that will help other individuals come up and seeing individuals from different levels within organizations collaborating with each other in true and open collaboration can be a path forward out of you know, our, our previous history of holding people down and not allowing enough opportunity for diverse individuals in organizations. So Mayunza, if people want to check out what Apart Media has to offer, want to engage with you, want to work with you, what's the best way to reach out? 
Um, that's the way. So you can go to our website, aprtmedia.com. Um, if you're in need of digital marketing or media services, you can contact us there. If you'd like to speak with me personally, um, Instagram is the easiest way to reach me. Uh, just DM. My handle is M-U-Y-I-N-Z-A. It's the same across Twitter, Facebook as well. Um, so just contact me, DM. I am always down to share some information when I can. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate having you on the show. Yes, thank you. I appreciate the time.